It's the Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, founder of the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. And Dr. Carol, this is going to be a very fun November show. You know, we're talking about good things, good men's health, reading a good book, feeding the good, wonderful people of Detroit, and having a blast on Thanksgiving. We'll get started right after these messages. WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. Dr. Carol, it's already November, and that means that it's Men's Health Month. And even though this is the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health, you really care about men's health with regard to fertility. Well, thanks, Ann, and I thought this would be a great time in November to, with Movember Men's Health, to concentrate on the guys for a segment because, you know, when people think about fertility, they mostly think about the women that worry about it. We worry about their fertility potential, that it's finite. Uh, women start to lose their um, fertility when they're over 35, falls off a cliff at 40. Women are the ones that are making the appointments and usually coming to the appointments. But we can't forget about our guys because it needs uh, sperm to fertilize the egg to get a baby. So uh, 30 to 50% of the time, it's a problem with the guys. So it's important that when a couple comes in to seek fertility care, that not just we're checking her hormones, her structural evaluation, but we're checking on the guys too. So very commonly, Uh, fertility issues can be uh, male-related. And what would be some factors in the male's history that could impact his fertility? So we go through a regular history like we do for women, and medically there are several things that could affect uh, men's sperm counts. So if someone is hypertensive, for example, they will have problems potentially with getting erections or ejaculations, either by the blood pressure uh, problems themselves or with the blood pressure medications. If somebody is diabetic, uh, especially, you know, uh, uncontrolled uh, diabetic, uh, they could have problems with getting ejaculation correctly. They do. They have something called retrograde ejaculation, where the sperm kind of goes back into the bladder and uh, due to the innervation, they could have uh, issues uh, because of that. And so what we can do is we can take that sperm. Um, if they do have retrograde ejaculation, we could uh, have them, you know, give a sample by masturbation and then urinate and take that sample and process it and, and do an IUI. If somebody has a problem with thyroid disease, just like in women, if there's some thyroid issues, uh, that could cause a problem. Surgically, obviously a guy has had a vasectomy, but if they've also had hernia repairs or especially uh, repairs as a child, everything's kind of close together, there could be issues there. Medication-wise, um, a lot of guys are, you know, worried about, you know, libido and fatigue and they're building muscles, so they may get on testosterone boosters or testosterone enhancement, Well, or their primary care may put them on it to help them feel better. Well, that can take tank sperm, so those could be issues. 
uh, social factors. So if you uh, smoke, uh, there was one study that said smoking a cigarette can decrease your chance of fertility 1%. So, you know, if you're smoking a pack a day, if you have high alcohol use, that can decrease your sperm count. Um, Drug use can, can affect it. High heat exposure. So if you're the guy that likes to sit for an hour a night in a hot tub, uh, or you're the guy with the shower on that's 45 minutes and the rest of the house is all steamy because you're in there, the high heat exposure can affect uh, sperm count. Varicoceles. So 30% of men will have a varicocele, which is a dilated vein in the testicle. And that can be normal. But of those 30% of guys, 30% of those guys, the vein is big enough that the heat is high enough that it could affect uh, production of sperm. Uh, weight changes. So a guy who is overweight, you know, we talk about women being over and underweight. If a guy's overweight, they can have fertility issues for a couple of reasons. Number one is, you know, where, where do guys get their fat distribution is their bellies, right? So this big belly is hanging over what? The testicles. So that's heat exposure that could affect sperm production. But also when you are overweight, then there's an imbalance of the male and female hormones because um, fat cells can produce estrogen and that can also play a role as well. So there's a myriad of things that in their histories we can look at to determine if there's any uh, concerns that we have for them. And then what kind of testing do you have them go through when a couple comes to see you, the guys? So semen analysis is what we do as uh, fertility doctors. So a guy can give a sample at home through masturbation. He needs to abstain from sex or masturbation two to seven days, uh, no longer, get it to our office within an hour. We have a special collection kit that doesn't uh, kill sperm. And then we will do a semen analysis on that sample to determine the volume, the count, motility, shape of the sperm called morphology, if there's white cells, and uh, then give a report as to what is normal or not. And guys make a new mix of sperm approximately every 72 days. So if a guy has an issue with one of those parameters, we don't bank our decision-making on just one semen analysis, right? So we'll have them repeat a sample, but we won't have them repeat it a week later or two weeks later because we're sampling the same uh, lot, so to speak. So what we'll do is we'll repeat a sample about five weeks after the first one and get a comparative to see what they're doing. If a guy's sperm sample is normal, then we'll hold off at that point and we'll see what her workup is to then put it all together and make a game plan. Let's say that it's not normal. What are some of the treatments available for guys out there? Oh, there's tons. So depending on where they're at, um, if you have a guy who's got mild variations of normal or just slightly below average, then those guys could benefit from uh, male fertility supplements. So that is where we give them antioxidants, uh, vitamin C, zinc, uh, CoQ10. Those are some of the big ones for them to rev up the the energy sources in their sperm. Uh, Plus, we can do an IUI. So an IUI, or intrauterine insemination, is where you take the sperm and you can wash it and you put it inside the uterus around when she is ovulating, his partner's ovulating, and the process of the sperm prep kind of revs up the sperm and the IUI gets it close to the target. So if there's some mild problems, the supplements and lifestyle changes and the IUI would be very helpful. If there is significant 
variations or in the sperm parameters. So say their count is really low or motility is really low, shape's really low, then there's a couple choices. One is, do you go to see a male fertility specialist? And, you know, we've had a few on our show, uh, Anne, in the past. Yes. And, and what they'll do is they'll do a history. They'll also do hormones on him, uh, FSH, LH, testosterone, thyroid, and see if there's any issues. If they're really low count, they may do a, a genetic screen, uh, look for cystic fibrosis. There's an association with low sperm count and, um, and cystic fibro- uh, or, or absent sperm and cystic fibrosis. Um, or we may, and then they may do an ultrasound and then offer medications to help improve a guy's sperm count. Uh, otherwise, we can do IVF, which is the test tube baby. And and, you know, if I get 12 eggs from her after egg retrieval, then I just need 12 good sperm. And we can look under the microscope and be able to um, uh, get sperm that way and cause fertilization and, and embryo development and then be able to, um, you know, put an embryo in. Um, if it's very significant or if a guy's had a vasectomy even, there's a procedure the urologist can do called a TESA where you cut into the testicle and get the sperm that way. So um, lots of things we can do for our guys. You know, your number, 30 to 50% of the time, it's the guy. That's really interesting. I bet a lot of people don't realize that. I didn't. Right. And and it's it's a couple's, couple's journey, right? right? So, you know, how many times do... Uh, in the past, now I have to say, over the years I've not seen this. Uh, I've seen it very little, but way in the beginning, 20 years ago, sure. guys wouldn't get their semen analyses because they'd be referred over to us and they'd be like, oh, it's a woman's problem. Mm-hmm. But over the yes. years, more and more people are appreciating that it takes two to tango. So if you're going to evaluate her, you might as well evaluate him. And so I love the fact that primary care docs, OBGYNs, they're getting semen analyses sooner, earlier, so that that's great. I have the ability to assess what that first sperm sample is looking like, do the workup for her, do one here at our office so that we know if it's consistent, and then we can right away and get, get game plan. But the cool thing is, yes, it seems like a lot, but here's the nice thing, is we can identify most of the time what the fertility problem is and provide treatment options. Mm, so, yes. you know, and I got to tell you, Ann, the guys are awesome. Aww. They they're so into it, and they really want to know what they can do to improve their sperm. They're very supportive of their partners. They're in these office visits, and they're, they're all over it. And I, I love the fact that the patients coming in to see us today, it is very much a team effort with them coming into this journey, and, uh, and that just makes it all uh, the more worthwhile and I think more successful that way when both people are invested. Absolutely. Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, thank you so much for this great information. Now, coming up next, we're going to learn about a very unique bookstore. We'll be back right after this. are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. Dr. Carol, we now welcome Lonnie Martin to the show. Lonnie is the managing director of a bookstore in Gross Point Farms called Flyleaf. Lonnie, it's great to have you here tonight. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And I know, Dr. Carol, that you have paid a visit to this bookstore, so I'm going to let you take it from here. 
Well, Anne, I got to tell you, I was looking for, my daughter's interested now in maybe reading a little bit. It was her birthday. And I thought, you know what? I heard about this fly leaf, hadn't been there. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll get her a book. I'll give her a gift certificate. So I walk in and this place is so amazingly cool. You look at, at the street, there's like this sign that has this cryptic fly leaf on it. And it almost looks like a speakeasy when you go through the door. It's this like very un you know cumbering little door, and you open it up, and it's magical. Mm-hmm. And it is magical. You walk in, and you just feel immediately comfort. You feel relaxation. And this, I got to tell you, Lonnie, tell Lindsay, she, the owner, you two had done this right because it is warm woodworking. It's a coffee shop. It's a bistro. There's pastry. It's a bookstore, and there's a fireplace, and there's chairs around the fireplace, and there's three levels. And I just, I just thought, you know what? People need to hear about this place because it is so unique. And Lonnie, I have to tell you, uh, great job. How did you guys come up with this fantastic idea? Sure. Well, thank you. First of all, I'm glad you came by and that you love it. Um, so this was completely, you know, Lindsay's idea, and she had been thinking about this for a long time. Um, you know, we had a number of bookstores in Gross Point, as you probably know. I know there was Walden Books and, you know, a couple other ones that have now left the area. And um, it was just her dream to open a place up. You know, she's a native Gross Pointer wanted to give back to her community in this way and she you know designed it all in her head and it's so great to finally see everything coming into you know it is exactly what she wanted to be it to be so um you know and and she did model it sort of after some of her favorite spots in new york and you know like the old bookstores that you might see in london or elsewhere in europe Mm-hmm. It feels that way, and, and it almost—I don't want to say—it's like Harry Potterish too. It's like it's mystical and it's magical, and and you know what? I, yeah, I can I can listen to an auto book. I can kind of look read a book on my phone, but there's nothing like holding to me holding a book in your hand, feeling the pages, you know, turning the pages, and then having a coffee or a tea, and you're by the fireplace. I mean, it's just the concept is fantastic. So, you know, tell me about what it's like to be at Flyleaf because, you know, by day it's coffee and pastries and a book. By night, isn't there food and cocktails? I like think yeah. there's like three levels <laughs> and every level's like something. Uh, tell us a little bit about how it's structured. Sure, of course. So, yes, you walk in, I think you immediately do get that cozy vibe. In the morning, we offer pastries and coffee. We do serve um, lunch in the afternoon. And then in the evening, around 5 o'clock, we start our evening menu. And we weren't really expecting it to take off, I have to say, like it did for um, our food offerings, which is fantastic. But really, around 5 o'clock, it does pretty much turn into a bistro. I mean, you are still allowed to shop for books um, and merchandise, but it is more of that restaurant feel. Um, so we do have three levels. The first floor is our bar and nonfiction titles, and our second floor is fiction. There's more soft seating. We have a little private room off to the side, and we do have a seasonal rooftop. Um, I don't want to quite say it's closed for the season, maybe. Uh, you know, but we'll probably open it back up when the weather is nicer in the spring. 
That is fantastic. And I've looked at some of your menus. I can't wait to take my kids to dinner there because it's just fantastic. Uh, Now, your books, your actual books, uh, very unique. I I bought some really cool books for myself and and my, my kids. I bought a Dracula book that looks like it was from the whatever <laughs> of course you did. I know, oh, yes, it was, I know what you're, you're talking about. It was, it was fabulous. The cover is ridiculously cool. But there's one, there's these huge books that you have on the top and the first floor. They're like jewelry, Vatican. What are those? About? You have such unique things. But tell me about those huge books that you have that you sell. Sure. Um, well, those are Lindsay's picks, and she really loves um, that publisher. It's called Athelene, and they also have travel series that I know are very popular. Um, But, you know, she wanted those books as sort of like um, a centerpiece, but of course they're also for sale. They're, I guess you could call them luxury um, design books, and they are about, you know, two feet tall. You've seen them. They they Mm -hmm. certainly make a statement. Um, You know, what I do want to say, I think that, like you were talking about that Dracula book, and I do remember purchasing that, thinking how cool it was. I do think the uniqueness of our books lies in our collection. And I think that's because, you know, we took the time to really think thoughtfully about what titles to carry versus, you know, let's say we have 6,800 books. We didn't just pick the top 6,800 books. You know, we have books in there that are maybe in the top 120,000, but I picked it because I thought it was interesting. And I think people do appreciate that. Well, you're right, Lonnie, because when I went through the bookstore, there were so many unique titles, and you captured every single, I think, interest of what people would want to read. And I just really, really appreciate that you could really tell you took the time. Now, how's the response been? I understand you opened in August. We did, and it's been really fantastic. I mean, we we thought that it would be popular just because I know the community um, were very well-educated, and people love to read, so many book clubs in the area. Um, but it's been really, I, I don't, I, I want to say touching, mm-hmm. um, how much the community has really supported us. I mean, you know, you can you can go to Amazon and get a book tomorrow, or you could come in and special order a book from us and get it next week. And people have been doing that. And I, uh, and I think that speaks to our community and it speaks to people wanting community and wanting that experience of, you know, supporting local business and coming into an environment like that versus just ordering something online. Exactly. And I just think just being able to sit there and get lost in a book, but have all those comforts while you're reading is fabulous. And Lonnie, I'm impressed with the fact that people are actually coming in and they're enjoying the bookstore, but they're also buying books. I love it Mm -hmm. that people are still buying books because, as you know, nowadays you can get something on your phone or your iPad or your Kindle or whatever. But this is kind of cool that people are coming in and purchasing books and still enjoying them because I love to hold a good book. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, you know, I've read some articles and things that that do talk about that how now you know in today's digital world people are coming back right. to tactile things and community and that's um really encouraging to see absolutely and i think it's because i think it's because people are so inundated with technology yes to just go back and have something physical that they can look at read and relax. put down come back again it's relaxing it's comforting and is is flyleaf open all the time? 
Oh, we are open Tuesday to Saturday from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And actually, we are just going to announce this week that as of this weekend on Fridays and Saturdays, we will be open until 11. Oh, that's nice. fantastic. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, Monty Martin, Managing Director of Flyleaf in Gross Point Farms, congratulations with this unique bookstore and all the best. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We will be back right after this. Dr. Carol, with Thanksgiving just around the corner, November is a great time of the year to take a minute to give thanks for the abundant blessings we have and remember those that struggle to put food on the table every day. Kristen Sokol, Gleaner's Senior Director of Advancement, Communications, Marketing, and Media, is here tonight to talk about the great work underway every day, all year long at Gleaner's. Welcome, Kristen. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So just tell our listeners a little bit about what goes on at Gleaner's day in and day out, Kristen. So Gleaners is a food bank for the community, and that ultimately means that we are a key component in securing, storing, and distributing food, both to our partner network and directly into the community. So we have a partner network of nearly 400 agencies, that's soup kitchens and um, pantry partners, et cetera, that distribute food directly to our guests in our five-county service area. That's Wayne, Oakland, Macomb, Monroe, and Livingston. And then we also have direct service mobiles in which we put together drive-through distributions where people without an appointment who have need can come and pick up food um, that will supplement their groceries on a regular basis. Talk a little bit, too, about food insecurity. Are we still seeing big problems in this area with food insecurity? Unfortunately, while we were making great gains uh, in decreasing food insecurity when the pandemic hit, um, we took a big hit in food insecurity, although there were a number of programs. But then those programs went away and inflation happened Mm -hmm. and it went right back up. And so all those gains we had been seeing up until 2019 effectively have been going away. And we see that at our distributions every day. We had been see, we have seen a 30% increase in the number of people who are coming to us through our community mobiles over last year. Mm. And we were seeing increasing numbers last year. So we know that there's tremendous need in the community. We know that we are seeing working families who used to be able to make their budget. Maybe they were just making it. But now that inflation has made everything more expensive, that paycheck isn't going as far. And so that budget that they were able to manage before, it isn't the same. Uh, And so... Last year, we served more than 700,000 households across our five-county service area. And we know that right now there's at least 300,000 students who are going to school potentially hungry because they they face food insecurity in our region. And it is our goal to solve hunger for everyone who needs support, that they have access to food they can get to support those budgets that are just being incredibly strained right now. Now... We know that, obviously, we're concerned about everybody that's going without food and that's hungry. But this number with regard to students is jaw-dropping. How Mm -hmm. can you help with that? How can we help with that to make sure that they aren't going to school hungry, Kristen Sokol? 
There's a couple of, there's an easy way that our community members can do do that. And that is by supporting the work that Gleaners and our partners do. Mm. Because we couldn't do this work without volunteers, without donations to make sure that we can run our operations. Because with our purchasing power, we can make the most of every dollar. For every dollar that's donated to us, we can provide three meals. But what we'll also, I think, talk about in a few minutes is the Hunger Free and the D campaign, which makes those dollars go twice as far so that one dollar equals six meals. And we can then use that to support things like our school food mobiles that go directly to schools, serve that school neighborhood, and make sure that kids and families are taken care of right where they're already going to school. So talk a little bit about Hunger Free and the D. This is a program that WJR is a part of with Tom and Vicki Chilani. And explain to our listeners exactly what this is. I love this program, and I completely support it. I think it's awesome. I think it's a wonderful thing to do around Thanksgiving, Kristen Sokol. We are so grateful to our friends at the Chelani Family Foundation because they have dedicated 10 years to supporting this campaign. If you can believe that it's the 10th anniversary this year. And uh, what they do is match donations made to Gleaners and our friends at the Capuchin Soup Kitchen up to $200,000. So what that means is that when you donate as part of Hunger Free in the D, your dollar goes twice as far. That $1 now equals six meals instead of three meals. Uh, and it's just as simple as going to hungerfreeinthed.com, picking your charity of choice, because we're both working toward the same mission, solving hunger in our communities, and making a gift that makes sense and feels comfortable for you. Because honestly, if you have a dollar in your pocket or you have time in your heart, now is really the time that we could use that support. And Dr. Carol, I know you likely have questions for Kristen, too. So, yes, I do. And so thank you for everything you do. And the work that you've done have helped so, so many people. Is there other things that we can do besides giving monetary donations uh, for gleaners and the soup kitchen? Do people still go and volunteer their time? Uh, do they? Can they go on the mobile trucks? I mean, how else can we help uh, in addition to uh, financially? If you have that uh, that time in your heart, absolutely, we can find a job for you. Uh, we couldn't do the work that we do without having all of that volunteer support, thousands of hours of volunteer support to help us do what we do, whether it is uh, packing food so that it can go out on our mobiles or even doing data entry so that we're taking care of our guests appropriately, uh, sorting produce for us, helping us uh, manage our food drives when they come in, making sure that that food is sorted and ready to go back out to the community. We have a whole variety of volunteer options and shifts Um, and you can go to our website gcfb.org to find out all of the ways that you can get involved beyond a dollar and where does the food come from so do local markets donate you know do, do do businesses donate the food to you there's a variety of sources that we get our food from Some of that food comes from government programs, either federal or state programs. Uh, Some of that food we purchase on our own to make sure that we can supplement what we receive from our food drives. Some of it is donated from manufacturers or retailers. And so uh, combining all of that food to come back out into the community, uh, we distributed 50.9 million pounds of food last year. Wow. Uh, And what's incredible about that is we had budgeted for 
uh, the ability to serve 39 million pounds of food. And through innovation and partnership and uh, generosity, we were able to achieve that 50.9 million pounds to meet that increased need in our community. And the other thing that I think is really interesting for you is uh, I know a lot of folks, when they think about Gleaners Community Food Bank, they think about all of those shelf-stable foods. And absolutely, that's, uh, that's a key component of what we provide in the community. But we also provide so much fresh food. Mm-hmm. Last year, we provided more than 17 million pounds of fresh produce through our distributions. And that's something mm-hmm. that our community members really want and need to be healthy, to be successful, to thrive in school, to make sure you can take your medications. It's all really important to, um, to the success of the household. Kristen Sokol, Gleaners Senior Director of Advancement, Communications, Marketing, and Media. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing for this community. We really appreciate it. Well, and thank you so very much for the time. I appreciate you so much. And if someone needs help or can give help, I'm strongly encouraging you, please visit gcfb.org, and we will take care of you on our website. Thank you so much. This is WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after this. full week of November is underway, and that means it's time to check in with Tony Michaels, the president and CEO of The Parade Company. The Parade Company's pancake breakfast was a big success last week, and now we get ready for America's Thanksgiving Parade, presented by Gardner White. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks for having me on. It's that time again, isn't Yes, it, it is. So <laughs> details, details. How many floats? Are you ready to go? Do you need anything? Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, the theme is the heart of history, oh, like which that. is fitting because this is the 97th year. Um, wow. We have our grand marshals. We have uh, Hugh Perkins, who was retired from Fox 2 and just revered in this market. He's just part of our lives. And we have Lomas Brown famous Detroit Lion, uh, WJR personality, I might add. Yes. Right, Ann? Yes. Hall um, of Famer now, getting in uh, our own little inductee. Yeah, yeah, for the, for the, in the, the Lions, right, the Ring mm-hmm. of Honor. And mm-hmm. uh, we're just so excited. We really are. We're going to be opening with uh, Broadway uh, from Frozen. Uh, we mm-hmm. just, we're just really getting ready. I mean, it's crazy. And we have three new floats this year. We've got uh, Barton Mallow, which was rolled out at the Pancake Breakfast presented by Blue Cross. Uh, we have Corewell Health, which will be rolled out very soon, and uh, the Skillman Foundation. So uh, we're, we're a lot of logistics and a lot happening here, a lot. So, Tony, with COVID under control, so to speak, I have a feeling your crowds are going to be huge this year. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'll tell you, we, we really noticed it, to be honest, uh, last year. Yes. Uh, the police told us it was probably one of the largest crowds ever in downtown Detroit. And uh, we think it's going to be bigger this year. Wow. And, I, and a good signal of that is uh, the S3 Turkey Trot, which we put on that morning. We're a 1,000 runners ahead of last year as of right wow. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big wow. deal. It's a really, really big deal. 
Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, in the morning, I get up because my, my family goes to the Lions game. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every every year, so I'm the one that gets up and, hit, you know, every other year and gets the turkey going. But my life, Thanksgiving Day, cannot start without having that parade. And I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I still get teary-eyed <laughs> when I watch that parade. And it's just so heartwarming. And to know that it's just Detroit. I'm so. I'm a Detroiter. I was born in Detroit. I'm so proud of my city. And just to see this parade every single year, I'm like a little kid, and I have my coffee, and I watch the floats, and I call everyone who's left at the house. I'm like, look at this, look at this. And then I wait for Santa, and it's just so cool, the key to the city. And, and I'm just, the people that are there, it's just, it's so exhilarating. And then I see you being interviewed at the end of the thing. And thank you for everything you do. You're Every year, you're calm, you're kind, you're sweet, you're nice. And I look at you and I think, I'm thinking this guy probably has run around like crazy <laughs> trying to make this day perfect. And you're sitting on that couch with them, you know, it was a Devin Skillion, whoever, interviewing you every year. And you're like, yeah, we got this. We're good. And, you know, so I just want to let you know, you know, I appreciate you. I'm sure everyone who sits watching at home or on, you know, on the streets. It's just, it's such a wonderful tradition. You do it so, so, so well. So thank well, you so much. Well, uh, you are far too kind, far too kind. Uh, you're going to have to call my wife. Those were really nice things you said to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, every husband says that to when, when yeah, they get a compliment. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> no, you're fabulous. You well, are fabulous. We have a great team. We have a great team. And, Anne, you know that. Yes. Uh, the team here at the Parade Company is incredible. Yeah, it's a lot, a um, lot of anxiety. We go from the pancake breakfast to Hobnobble Gobble presented by Ford uh, to the parade. And it's a lot. There's thousands and thousands of moving parts. And um, you know what? It's all about the team. We stay together. We're very organized. We, uh, we are so fortunate to have 1,500 volunteers working with us through mm-hmm. the year. And the greatest group of sponsors, an amazing group of sponsors, who really understand what this is and what it means to our community. It, it, we're very fortunate. But, but if we don't make it great, we won't have the sponsors. And so we try to outperform ourselves every single year. And we just hope that everybody enjoys that day because it's important to this city and our state in a big, big way. And you've also got Hobnobble Gobble coming up on the 17th, but I heard it was sold out. Is that accurate? It is sold out, completely sold out. We're going to have, uh, you know, well over 2,200, 2,300 people there. Um, Rev Run from Run DMC is performing. (laughs) Um, It's going to be one big, big night. It's it's a black tie, as you know. Yes. And as I always say, it's for kids from 1 to 95 because (laughs) we've got it all there. And to see an 80-year-old on dodging cars with grandkids or, you know, just all different mixtures and all the rides. It's crazy. It really is. And it's a great fundraiser, and we count on it. It's a very big deal for the parade company, very big deal. And it's huge. I mean, just putting that night together likely takes months, right, Tom? Yeah, it really does. Um, you know, it, it, it's just it's bizarre because the week before – Pancake breakfast, which uh, you know was November third. You have you're going to have four massive events right. in a four week time frame, and many of these, some organizations that would be maybe one 
you know, they do one of these or maybe two of them. So it's a load. And don't forget, we've got the S3 turkey trot right. running that morning of the parade down Woodward. We have to time it out so it doesn't work. They don't run into each other. Um, a massive undertaking to put that on. It's a big race. Thirteen to 15,000 runners right. that morning. Wow. Keeping everybody yeah. organized and safe is definitely mm-hmm. a big undertaking. Now, Tony Michaels, president and CEO of the Parade Company, how can people support you? I know you're going to be working on a big new project, a big new building. How can people step up and support the Parade Company? Well, I'll tell you, at any time you can make a donation and you go to the parade.org or just call here. They can even call me and talk to me. Um, the new home. We are uh, uh, aggressively now raising funds uh, to build that new home on the Detroit River where the Broadhead Armory sits right now. We'll be uh, taking out all the salvageable art. We'll be demolishing the back end. We'll be refurbishing the front end on Jefferson and then building a two-story building along the river connected to the front piece. And it's going to be something special for our city. It really is. And my God, we are out there working on it day and night, raising funds for this. So please go to thepray.org. That campaign is called Be a Heart of History because everybody who gives is going to have their name in that building. Um, and uh, geez, feel free to call me at any time. I and mean, we are looking for donors. We're looking for naming rights. We're about 25% of the way there. Uh, we have until the end of June. And uh, we're going to get this done. We're going to get this done. $45 million, we will get it done. We need help. Tony Michaels, president and CEO of the Parade Company, thanks for your time today. And I know, knowing you, that you will get this done. Oh, you're so nice. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. On behalf of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas, and we hope you have a great night. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.